2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 8 and read down through verse 23. Starting at verse 8, I'll just have you remain seated here. We've got a longer passage. And this is uh, a story of a man of God and a woman uh, from Shunem, which is called a Shunemite woman. And we're going to see what happens in her life. And starting at verse 8, it says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, And let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber, and lay there. And he called to Gehazi his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he, said unto, uh, and he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. She said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day. And... uh, And he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door upon him. And went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts from your word. I pray that you will give us a truth, dear Lord, that not only is described in the life of this lady, but that we can see described in our own lives. Lord, I pray that the same faith that you gave her will be the same faith you give us. A faith that believes despite the impossible, that is able to challenge all the trials of life. Lord, I pray that as we're on our own journey of faith, that we can learn lessons from this woman. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
So here is a lady who tried to do something well for the man of God. Elisha, of course, was a servant of Elijah, the great man of God. And when Elijah was old and about to go up to heaven, he looked to Elisha, who would not leave his side, and said, what would you ask of me? And Elisha said to Elijah, that I might have a double portion of the spirit that God has put on you. And he says, thou hast asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I go up into heaven and you catch this mantle, then your request will be given unto you. And of course, if you're familiar with the story, you know that on that day he was visiting the different schools of the prophets. And so he went to one city and the prophets would come up to Elisha and say, do you know that uh, your master's going to leave you today? And they, he'd say, Shh, yeah, I know that. Just be quiet. I'm, I'm going on. And, uh, and so he'd go to another city, and there were prophets there, and they'd come up to Elijah and say, you know, uh, today I believe your master is going to be taken from you. He said, yeah, I know, I'm, don't, don't say anything. And so he went to four different cities. And having gone to the fourth, he is walking with Elijah, and the Bible says a great chariot of fire comes down and parts the two, comes between the two, and then Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind. And as he watches his master go up in a whirlwind to heaven, his mantle drops, and he goes over and gets it. He is on the other side of the Jordan River from where they'd just been because they had visited the sons of the prophets and Elijah and Elisha came to the River Jordan and Elijah took his mantle and smote the river and it parted and they walked over on dry ground. Now Elisha has the mantle, and he comes back to the water, and he looks up into heaven, and he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he smites the water, and the waters part, and he walks over on dry ground, and the prophets say, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And we know, according to what's recorded in Scripture, that Elisha saw twice as many miracles in his ministry as Elijah, who was the great prophet of the Old Testament. Because he had asked for a double portion of God's spirit on his life. He is in ministry now, and as he passes by, this Shunammite and her husband are very kind, very gracious. They take care of Elisha on his ministry. They feed him, take care of him, and she has such a passion to help God's man. What a a wonderful thought. She wants to help this man of God. I am so grateful for early in my ministry how many people uh, would look at Miss Vicki and I and say, I want to be a help to you. Whether it's giving us, you know, $10 to fill up our car. Don't try that now. <laughs> 
might buy you two gallons, you know, but back in the day, that would do it. And uh, bringing food when we were young and we, we had very little. And what a blessing that this same Shunammite had that in her heart and wanted to be a blessing. And she said to her husband, he comes by here, we feed him, but you know it's a long trip. What if we could just add a room to our house and uh, put a bed in it and a little table and a stool and a, a lampstand and, and, and just be a place that he could just come in and he wouldn't have to be entertained by us if he didn't want to be. He could just be alone and just come in and rest. Come and go as he pleased. And the husband said, that'd be a great thing. And so she does that. And Elisha is just uh, touched by that. Touched by that. And says, uh, Gehazi, who was his servant, uh, call the Shunammite woman and well, what is it, lady, that we could do for you? you? You've been so kind, you've been so gracious. Now, what could we do for you? Could we talk to the king? Could we talk to the governor of the land? Could we maybe uh, do some things and set you up a little better? And no, 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 I, I'm a very common woman. I, I dwell with my own people. I, uh, I don't need anything. And so she leaves. And Elisha just says, you know, I, I, just, I just feel like we should have done something. I want to do something for her. Gehazi, is there anything that she would need or something? And Gehazi said, well, um, you know, maybe you're not aware of the fact, but she has no children. And her husband's old. Now, it, it's interesting that Gehazi was not always the closest follower of God because you remember he's the one that also took the garments from uh, Naaman, the Syrian, who was healed for leprosy, and took some of those garments that he brought. Little did he know those same garments have leprosy in them. And he got leprosy because he was taking silver and changes of garments from Naaman, who was healed by Elisha. But there's another side of him that's a little tender. You know, every one of the Bible isn't all bad or all good. We see a little bit of both in all of them. And Naaman said, you know, I, I, bet, she, I bet she really wants a child. They, they don't have a child, Master. They don't have a son. And, and I, I would just guess if you could do anything... To make her happy, if she, had a, if she had a boy, I think she'd be real pleased. And, get, and Elisha says, well, call her in here. And the Shunammite comes to the door and he says, now, this time, uh, next year, about this time, according to the time of life, meaning about nine months, you, you're going to have a boy. And she says, no, no, please don't Please don't say that. Please, you, you don't know. You don't know how, how I've hoped for such a thing. Please, don't, don't lie to me. Don't get my hopes up. Don't do that. Don't, don't say something that's not going to happen. And then the next verse says, according to the time of life, she has a boy. And all works out fine. The baby's born, it's growing, it, it gets big enough to follow his father out in the field. But on a certain day, he falls. Maybe he's running, he trips, whatever happens. He falls and he hits his head on a stone. And he says, my father, my father, my head, my head, I... The servant takes him to his father, and the father says, well, take him to his mother. And the mother places her son on her lap, and at noon, he dies. 
And she takes her boy and goes into that little chamber she's made for the man of God and stretches him out on the bed. And then she says to her servant, go have a young man saddle one of those donkeys for me because I'm going to go for a ride. And she goes and tells her husband, I'm going to go see the man of God. And he says, well, what's the problem? It's not new moon. It's not, it's not the Sabbath. It's not a special day. What, why, why are you going on that trip? I, I need to go see the man of God. And he says, is, is everything okay? And here's what she says. It shall be well. She doesn't say it's all well, because it's not. Her son just died. But she said, if I can get to the man of God, it shall be well. She believed that. If I can just get to him, if I can just find him, it shall be well. And so begins her journey of faith. Her journey of faith. Have you ever made such a journey? Some of you probably have because of health. Maybe your health. Maybe a loved one's health. Maybe it was your brother, sister, mother, father that had cancer, maybe it was you. Maybe it was someone you loved and cared about that had a physical affliction that wasn't going to get better unless God intervened. I mean, God had to intervene. And, and you had to go on a journey of faith where you... You had to just trust the Lord. You had to just look to Him. Maybe it was because of health. Maybe because of relationships. Maybe everything looked well and then things start falling apart and you just got, you got to have God's help. God, I, I got to have your help. I, I, I can't fix it myself. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I can't fix this. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a relationship. And, and you need God because he's the only one that's going to make it work. You can't, you can't do it. It's, it's out of your abilities. Your effort has not solved it. Maybe because of financial reversal. I know back in 2008, you know, the, the market fell as far as home prices. I knew about a dozen members of our church that had to walk away from their home. This is a tough time. Back in 1984, I came to Oregon City, knocking on doors to start Grandview Baptist Church, and there were whole subdivisions where every fifth or sixth house had a, a orange sticker on it because it was it was repossessed by the uh, Veterans Administration loan, Veterans Loans. And it was empty. People gave up their houses. The interest rate, remember, got up to 16% in the early 1980s. And people couldn't afford houses anymore. They, they started at a loan at one rate and it just kept climbing. Finally, they, 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 don't, they couldn't afford it. They had to walk away from their homes. I saw a lot of homes throughout Oregon City that were repossessed in 1984. 2008, 2009, 2010, you couldn't sell a home for what you owed. 
it had dropped a fourth of its value. You couldn't rent a home for your payment. It was a terrible time. And sometimes finances will drive a person to that place where they say, God, I got to have your help. I don't have an answer. I don't, I don't know what to do. Maybe it's because of great tragedy or loss. Any of us, any given day, could be in a car wreck and lose our lives or the lives of our loved ones. Or any given day, we could get a phone call saying, I hate to tell you, but something tragic has happened. And I'm guessing tonight I'm talking to people who have had that happen in your life. Great tragedy brings you to a place where you begin a journey of faith. Lord, why? Why? I mean, you, you know the road answers. Well, God always has a plan. And that's a real good answer for somebody else until the tragedy's in your corner. You, you know all the answers, you, but you still say, why? I, I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm, I'm faithful. I, I love you, God. Why? And you have to begin a journey of faith just like this woman who gets on that donkey. And she's going as fast as she can to Elisha. I heard about a man who fell off a cliff and just after he'd gone over the cliff about 10 feet later there was a branch that was sticking out and he landed on it and then grabbed at it and then before he knows it he's hanging on that branch with the drop before him and he calls out Hey, is anybody up there? And the answer comes back and says, yes, I'm the Lord. Do you believe in me? He said, yes, Lord, with all my heart I believe in you and I need your help. And the Lord says, Let go, and I'll take care of you. And there's silence for a little while. The man says, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) Now, (laughs) sometimes that's the way we are at faith, because we want God to answer the way we want the answer. Lord, help me. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that answer is going to work, Lord. I, I, the journey of faith is getting to the place where it's not what we want. We get to the place where we finally say, Lord, whatever you want is what I want. Whatever you want. There comes a time where we just realize, Lord, it's, it's you that I want. Now, this woman had started her journey of faith. She takes out on the animal. In her case, of course, it was the tragedy of losing her only son. She begins this journey in faith. It shall be well. Now, things were not well, but by faith, she said, it shall be well. She believed God. Now, many times, you've had experiences in your life where you start off strong in faith. God's got this. And, uh, you know, months pass, and uh, I, I, I think God's got this. And then... Months pass, and I, I, I hope God has this. And then uh, months pass, and then God, do, you do have this, don't you? 
What I'm saying is, it's not only important to start strong in faith, it's important to keep strong in faith. You remember the Israelites were strong in faith when it came to leaving Egypt, but they weren't very strong in faith when it came to getting in, into the promised land. You know, they, they could escape Pharaoh's army. They could go through the Red Sea. They could have God provide miraculously water for them in the wilderness, but when it came to going into the promised land, their faith dwindled. And sometimes that's you and I. We're strong in faith starting out, but not so strong as we endure the journey of faith. And so tonight I want us to look at a few lessons from a grieving woman. A few lessons from a woman who's riding this animal, this mule, with a broken heart. And if you can picture it, she's crying all the way. And ladies, you know that's what you would do if that was you. And she still believes that with the man of God it can turn around, but she's still fearful. You know, faith isn't meaning you got rid of your fears. Faith doesn't mean you are 100% absolute, secure, never doubting. No, no. Someone told me years ago that faith is believing and doubting, but acting on what you believe. Someone else said, faith is 51% and 49% doubt. I don't know, but it's just faith does not mean you never fear, you never question, you, you never weep, you never ache. You never hurt. It, it doesn't mean that. Or quite frankly, not many Christians ever have that. But let's look at the lessons we learn from this grieving woman. It will only get better if you start your journey of faith. It wasn't going to get better if she stayed home. It wasn't going to get better if... If, if she didn't go somewhere, if she didn't do something, if she didn't try to reach out and find the man of God, it wasn't going to get better. So whatever goes on in our lives, we'd better get on that journey to get to God as quick as we can and say, God, I need you. I love that chorus. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. You see, when you're on that journey of faith, that's how you feel. Lord, I gotta have you. I gotta need, I need you. I need only what you can give me. There's no other source. There's no other answer. Faith is what catches God's attention and pleases Him. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God loves faith. Sickness, suffering, loss, divorce, tragedy, it's all part of life. But when faith comes forth, God notices that. God sees that whether it be a teenage boy or a girl that says, I believe God, or a young adult that says, I'm, I'm going to do it God's way. I just believe God. Or a young couple facing all the problems every other couple faces, but they say, I believe God. I'm going to do it God's way. When you have that faith, God notices it. Why? Because Faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. 
You know, back in the first Sunday of March, we took pledges and many people stretched out on faith. I've heard from several different Christians, Pastor, I stepped on faith and made something, but God's already provided it. How can he do that? Wow. Well, because it catches God's attention when we step out on faith. Notice also faith is not an easy journey. When you move ahead in faith, it feels as though you're moving ahead alone. Until having moved ahead in faith somewhere, somewhere along the journey, God joins you. When you step out to serve God, when you step out in faith for God, it feels like you're all alone, but somewhere along the journey, you sense his presence. And you realize God's with you in that storm. God's with you in that trial. God's with you in that impossible situation. And you still don't know how he's going to do it. You don't know what he's going to do. But you know that his presence is with you. And it shall be well. Even if the outcome is not what you're thinking, it shall be well. The journey of faith. Faith calls at impossible times. And faith makes no easy request of you. Faith makes no easy request of you. If it did, it wouldn't be faith. I always say during missions conference, if you're thinking about making a pledge for a missionary, if it's not scary, it's not faith. Because God will scare you with what he wants you to do. It's not an easy journey. Many years ago, we had just built our first building. And... uh, We had an amazing day that day with the bus ministry and people driving in. We just had that one building there, and we had 1,005 people in that one building. And it was not meant to hold that. I took a five-year-old to go into one class... And they had no chairs in there. It's 12 by 14 room. And there were 54 five-year-olds. 54 five-year-olds. Just standing like cords of wood with a teacher in a corner. I met with a man in our church two or three times every week at 6 o'clock. We had coffee. Well, first we'd walk around the college and then we'd have coffee at Sherry's. And I did that because he was going through some great trials and I just wanted to encourage him. So we'd meet together, spend time together, pray together, and then I'd come back to the church and he'd go off to work. But I was telling him, I said, I don't know what we're going to do. We just built that church. We just finished it. We've been in it for a year And we're out of space. I said, I never would have imagined that. I thought that building was big enough to last us for a lot of years. And and already, we don't have enough room. And I said, and I can't afford to to build another building. We, We just stretched as far as we could. We had to sell church bonds to get the money. And it took us six months to sell them. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the man said, well, pastor, it looks like it's just going to take some faith. (laughs) And I just busted out laughing like just a little thing called faith. (laughs) And you'd think that 
having to go through items that take faith, take faith, take faith, that faith would get easy. But I'm here to tell you, faith never gets easy. It always makes bigger requests of you. We never build a building and we say, oh, that's cheap. I think we can do that. It's always like, how could we do that? God has to get involved when it's faith. Faith calls it impossible times. Faith has no easy request of you. I heard a story of a house that caught on fire and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground and below with outstretched hands was calling to his son and he said, son, jump. He said, I'll catch you. And he knew that the only way the boy's life was going to be saved is the boy had to jump and he had to catch him. But with all the smoke coming up from the house on fire, the boy said, Dad, but I can't see you. And the father yelled up, Jump, son, I can see you, and I'll catch you. And, and so many times that's just like faith. We can't see God with his arms outstretched to catch us. We can't see how God is going to intervene because the smoke of all our problems and trials and afflictions and are coming and we can't see God's outstretched arms ready to catch us, but they're there. His word tells us they're there. Underneath are the everlasting arms, the Bible says. Faith is a journey that requires more faith to stay on that journey. Many start, but few finish. She had faith to go to the man of God, but she needed more faith to stay until she got her answer. You take a step of faith to start a business, and then you have to take a step every day to keep it going. You take a step of faith in a marriage, and later you realize that that relation demands a step of faith all the time. Oh, I thought, I thought it's all over now. No, no, it's another step of faith. It's another step of faith. It's another step of faith. You take a step of faith in having children, and then you realize you need more faith to raise them. I'm just saying every step of faith requires additional steps of faith. And you just got to know that. But that's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. That's why the Bible says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. God loves his children to walk by faith, trusting in the Lord. Your journey, you'll travel alone. And your journey of faith will be unique from any other Christian. Because it's your journey. So though the illustrations of other people's journey encourage you, you can't model your life after them because your journey is different. Your reasons are different. Your decisions are different. Your outcome's different. I want to end this message by looking and seeing how her journey of faith all came out. So we're taking the same passage, 2 Kings chapter 4, but we're starting in verse 24 and we're going to read down through verse 27 
and we're going to watch her journey of faith unfold. And she saddled an ass and said unto her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came into the man of God to Mount Caramel. Carmel. Caramel. Whether it's caramel or caramel. It still tastes good, right? Oh, this is a mountain. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her far off, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Now, if you understand earlier, the Bible says she was a great woman. He sees her a long way off and said, well, that's her. That's the Shunammite woman. Uh, she was a larger, but that's a Shunammite woman. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Hazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. And she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? The answer is no. Did not I say, Do not deceive me? The answer is yes. That's what she said. Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. Now Elisha starts the easy way. You know, he's, he's going to just take his staff, put the staff on the child, see what happens. Nothing happens. Sometimes for even great men of God, which certainly Elisha was, things don't come easy. Remember the disciples said, Lord, how come we could not cast him out? And Jesus said, this kind cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. He's saying to his disciples, there's just sometimes you've got to really get a hold of God. It's not easy. And the mother and Gehazi, let's see, and then in verse 32, And when Elijah was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and laid upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. God's beginning to do something. And he returned and walked in the house to and fro. Now, what do you think he's talking about then? He's in that little place and he's, he's talking. He's saying, Lord, you gave her the child. Lord, I promised her a child and you answered. And Lord, there's her child. Lord, you've got to do something. Lord, you've got to help this woman. You ever pray like that for somebody else? It wasn't your life that was messed up. It was a dear friend or a relative or a mother or a father. Or it was somebody else's life that was 
really need it, God, but you got earnest with God because you love that person so much that their burden became your burden, their hurt became your hurt. And that's what he's doing. And he went up and laid upon the child. No, in verse 35, and he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times <laughs> and the child opened his eyes. Praise God. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful story? And he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. And so he called her. And when she was coming, he said unto her, him, he said, take up thy son. And she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. You see, her journey of faith had a wonderful ending. There were a lot of anxious moments in that journey of faith, and it will be in yours too. And I don't know how you and I journey of faith will come when a crisis comes into our life, but I do know that every one of us will have a journey of faith And I do know that no matter what happens, you will come out the better for it. I've said to many of our members over the years, I don't envy your cancer, but I do envy your walk with God that you get because of cancer. Because when you have cancer, you just don't pray at night. Just praying early in the morning and late at night, that, that's not enough for your prayer life. See, when it's you that has cancer or your loved one has cancer, you want to pray all the time. It's, it's on your mind all the time. I envy that walk with God. I don't envy the affliction. But I've known many Christians come out the other side much better, much more spiritual. And all of a sudden, the things of this world are more dead to them because now they just don't mean much at all. It's only God and Him that means everything. The journey of faith. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Lord, no doubt all of us in our lives have already gone through times where we could look back and say, yes, that was a journey of faith. That was a dark valley we walked through with you, God. But we're so glad we came out on the other side. And Lord, it could be that there's some tonight even that are still going through that journey. And no doubt all of us will sometime in the future go through another journey of faith. But Father, we're so thankful for the lessons learned from this dear sweet woman who loved you and loved a man of God, loved her family, and Lord, you helped her. And I'm so glad you helped her. Lord, I pray that that will always stick in our hearts, that you will help people who take that journey of faith. And you will somehow, some way meet our needs, but you will always draw us closer to you. And we thank you for that, Lord. Now bless these good people, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand to our feet, if you will. And will you allow God to just speak to your heart about that journey of faith in your life and what it is the Lord wants to do. And if you have a decision to make, you can come.
God bless you. So good to have each one of you here with us. Rick and Sally Rogers have come tonight to place their membership here at Grandview Baptist Church. They are wonderful, godly people, just like the rest of the good people in our church, and I appreciate them so very much. Uh, All in favor of receiving Rick and Sally Rogers into the membership of Grandview Baptist Church, say amen. amen. God bless you. Look forward. They've already been serving, and now they just make it formal. So God bless you, and I appreciate you so very much. Well, uh, I trust that you're going to have a good Sunday this Sunday. Uh, Brother Justin Lehman has a great message to preach. And this Sunday night, we have a missionary uh, from Ukraine, Derek Thomas and his wife. They have been missionaries to Ukraine. Ukraine for about 20 years, and he is over there right now. He's just on his way back. He's been there for the last two weeks, making sure that food is there and checking on his churches and the Christians that are there. And so when he comes this Sunday night, he's going to be able to tell you what's really happening over there. And so it's going to be very, very interesting. Now, Miss Vicki and I, on the other hand, are going to be in Evansville, Indiana. She's speaking at a ladies' conference, and I'm preaching on Sunday uh, to Faithway Baptist Church in Evansville, Indiana. Great church, doing a great job. Uh, but quite frankly, I'm envious about what y'all are going to hear on Sunday night and Brother Justin preaching a great sermon on Sunday morning. So, uh, Uh, You pray for me, and I certainly will be praying for each one of you. So God bless you. You are dismissed.